stuff off of the internet. If you want to enjoy things as a family, we always have. Talking about Father's Day today, and things have changed over the years. 200 years ago, fathers were the true leaders of the home. And they were responsible for the children's education and their training. All the parenting books was written for fathers. Now, 200 years later, more focus on the mother. But the thing that I'm so concerned about is that our culture views father, fathers as an option. Yeah, I mean, father's good to have around. Yeah, if that's what we want to do it. You know, maybe you don't necessarily need one. Well, let's look at this uh, statistic <coughs> or this quote uh, from a guy who studied a study of parental acceptance. He says, after he's done these studies, but in some cases, the withdrawal of a father's love seems to play a bigger role in kids' problems with personality and psychological adjustment, delinquency, and substance abuse. He goes on, and for others, the presence of a father's love may do more to boost children's sense of well-being and improve their emotional and physical health. Don't you love it when they do studies and it supports biblical truth? Huh? It's like, yeah, hello, what do you think? The world, again, lies to us about the importance of fathers and many other things. When they do these studies, you know, fathers make a difference. Listen to Elton John talking about his dad. He wouldn't hold me. He wouldn't say he loved you. I was afraid of my father. I was walking on eggshells the whole time trying to get his approval. He's been dead for a long time, and I'm still trying to prove things to him. Asked what he meant, Elton replied, I still do things and say, Dad would have loved this. My mom always says, that's just the way we did it in those days, and it didn't affect you, Elton says. And I'd say, what are you talking about? It affects me every day. Fathers are essential to the family. It's so important, dads, the role that you play. I know Father's Day can be a day of mixed emotions. Many of us are filled with you know, wonderful memories of our dad if he's gone on to heaven. And, uh, it can be a tough day, too, because maybe... You're, you really didn't have a relationship with your dad. You're just kind of bibbling about it. Or maybe you experience a lot of pain because of your relationship with your dad. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just comfort those who for today is a tough day. I think single moms and the unbelievable tasks that they take on and raising their kids and doing so many things uh, without a dad, and uh, I just want you to encourage them today that you're by them and that we're here for them, you know, to provide uh, godly uh, role models. Yeah, Lord, everybody's in a different situation. But the one thing I do pray is that the Holy Spirit would invade our hearts this morning and teach us what we need to know from you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to look at a couple different passages. This first one 
is Paul writing to the people at Thessalonica. And the problem was that Paul had started the church there. He got it off the ground, and of course he went on to plant another church. But there were false teachers that came into the church, and they started to talk about Paul's motive, and he had a selfish agenda. And and then even he wasn't teaching the the pure gospel. I mean, that was Paul's... He had that problem all the time. Uh, False teachers would move in. So he's saying to the people in Thessalonica, listen, listen, listen to me. And he says, you are witnesses in God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. For you know how like a father with his children, is what a father does, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's go back to the first verse. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. What he was saying is, do not listen to those false teachers. You were there. You saw us from day to day, serving you, loving you, teaching you. Let's talk about the truth, guys, because you saw it. And what was our conduct toward you? We were holy, we were righteous, we were blameless. Towards you. That's how we model the Christian life. And dads, one of your primary responsibilities is to model how life should be lived. You should model how life should be lived because your kids are going to pick up on it. You are witnesses. I tell you what, kids are witnesses to what we do. The phone call we make, going to the store. All different types of things. Now, since my boys uh, are in their 20s, in fact, Wes is down here with his uh, fiance. They're getting married next month, so uh, we're really excited about that. Time moves along so quickly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Wes was a witness to me as a father. All right? And uh, all my kids were. And it's fun when they, they say things and do things uh, that I know somehow I influenced that in their lives. But I also see my weaknesses in them sometimes. <laughs> and I'm so sorry for whatever I did. <laughs> I was, I'm going to tell them I'll pay for the first counseling session, all right, <laughs> to talk about Dad and how Dad was and how Dad did this. It's okay, you know. I mean, everybody's damaged, right? <laughs> but it's so important that we are models, men, Now, holy and righteous and blameless, I'm going, well, like, who's that? Well, again, we are all on a discipleship journey. Some of us are at the beginning. Some of us in the middle. Some haven't started. Some are near the end. And and, and spiritual growth takes place slowly. So you don't look at that and say, hey, no way. Say, no, that's, that's where God wants me to grow. And I can tell you about so many men who have lived the Christian life in our church and their families have been unbelievably impacted by it. And we're all just average guys. Just average guys that love Jesus, have a relationship with Him. And and we were committed to teaching our children a Christian world view. 
You don't hear much about that anymore. But that's what you, you want them to see the eyes through God's Word and why we're here and what we're supposed to do. And, and then you want to introduce them to Jesus Christ who will transform their lives. So it's talking about conduct here, okay? Let me go to the next verse, or we'll go to 1 Corinthians 16. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. That's interesting. Act like men. Be strong. In fact, that word act, uh, is the Greek word, can only be found in the New Testament once. So we have to go back all the way to the Old Testament. Now, Hebrew is translated into Greek and then English and many other languages uh, with the Old Testament. So you have to go back to the Old Testament Find the Greek word and then find the Hebrew word that corresponds to it. And what it means is to act like men is to conduct yourselves in a manly way. Conduct yourselves in a manly way. A godly manly way. On a daily basis and do everything that you do in love. So if we want to get some more insights on this, we have to go back to Deuteronomy 31.6. Let me set the scene for you. Remember the Israelites and how God delivered them out of Egypt, part of the Red Sea, went to Mount Sinai to get the law, and they finally arrived at the Promised Land, and they sent 12 guys in. And 12 guys came back, and they all said, Unbelievable! (laughs) They've been talking about this Promised Land for a long, long time. It's just wonderful. I mean, they have to carry the grapes around on a pole, and and they're so big, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, again, we don't appreciate that because we have a lot of milk and honey. We can stock up on that, right? But back in that day, that was something really special. That was a rare commodity, milk and honey. It's just flowing with it. They're saying, this is great. And then they said, but there are giants in the land. In fact, when we were there, we felt like grasshoppers, and we felt they were going to step on us. That's the report they gave. So we can't go in. We'd be mad to go in. We would be dead in a week. But there are two guys who had faith, Joshua and Caleb. So we're getting near the end of Moses' life here, and we're looking at him teaching, teaching the law. And this is what he says to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Again, that interesting word is in that be strong and courageous. Conduct yourselves in, in such a manner. I tell you, a light bulb just went on for me as I was, I was studying this, that that is what we are to do as men. Most of the time this is addressed uh, to men in Scripture, of course, address of women as well, but uh, specifically men and leaders. What you need to do is be strong and courageous in the Lord. So somebody asked me, you know, what's the definition of a Christian man? Well, it's someone who is strong and courageous in the Lord. Say it with me. Strong and courageous in the Lord. One more time. Strong and courageous in the Lord. 
I want you to remember that. That's very important. It's a helpful definition of what a Christian man is. Somebody who is strong. Strong in whatever they do because they have God's strength and who are courageous. Now, uh, a couple of different... Oh, there we go. Uh, here you have be strong and courageous in the Lord. So we're talking about God's presence, God's power, and God's promise. These are the three aspects of being strong and courageous. So we look at this verse again. Be strong and courageous, as we talked about. Do not be in fear and be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. So that's God's presence. Now, God's power is implied. If God is with you, if you're walking closely with Him, well, you're going to feel His power. You're going to feel His resources because He'll continue to ask for them and He'll continue to give. So we've got, again, His presence. God goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. That's the bottom line for all of our lives. Because, friends, we are always managing fear in our life. We just have a tendency to Go toward fear. Why is that? Well, because life is so uncertain. We don't know what's going to happen today or tomorrow. And if you tend to be anxious, you're going to go there a lot because you're thinking of a lot of things. Because you look at everything and, oh, man, that could be a problem. And again, God says you don't have to be like that. If you're strong and courageous, if you celebrate my presence and you take advantage of my resources and remember my promise that I will always be with you. That's so precious, you know. Sometimes, you know, old age is a rough ride, but at the end is eternity if you know Jesus Christ. And that's what we always need to remember. We are strangers on this earth. We're headed to a better land. And God wants to work. Now, that's the end of Deuteronomy. Now we go to Joshua 1, and God is speaking directly to Joshua. All right? And He's encouraging him. He says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Now, what does He mean by that? Well, Joshua was about to begin a military campaign in order to clear out the promised land. Uh, from these very, very sinful people. And it was a big job. I mean, remember, he was one of the guys who checked the place out. So he knows how big the people are. And yeah. So, so no, they won't be able to stand. As long as you stay close to me, I'm going to give you the victory and I'm going to take care of you. Just as I was with Moses. Now, Joshua was Moses's. Uh, or Moses was Joshua's mentor. He trained him all those years with the Israelites whining in the Israelites in the desert. They had seen pretty much everything, or he had. And he was the one who was going to bring them in to the promised land. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. You see, we don't have to talk about God's power. We don't have to talk about God's wisdom. We don't have to talk about God's love. We don't have to talk about any of those details. The fact that He is with us and we are in fellowship with Him. 
That says, hey, I got everything taken care of. I don't know. Jesus came back and walked you through your day. You'd feel a little better, wouldn't you? <laughs> Just you know, hung out at the office or at the home there. And you'd say, wow, this is great. Well, God wants us to stretch our faith, right? And believe that Jesus is there, of course, which he is. We can't see him. But we need to become more aware of his presence. And then all those things will come to us. Not leave you nor forsake you. It's interesting how many times that's said in Scripture. Because again, fear is our main problem. And God says, just trust me, which is difficult. But we grow in that ability as time goes on. Then he says in verse 6, again, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause his people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. You are doing a great work, Joshua. You are going to take the land that I promised many, many years ago, and you're going to give it to your people and my people. That was a great work. Remember we talked about Nehemiah? And he didn't want to be distracted by anybody. I'm doing a great work here, okay? You tell me why your work's more important. And dads? We need to continually be reminded of the great work that we are doing in helping raise our children. We have a lot of responsibility, a lot of things that need to be taken care of financially and and developing the kids, playing with them, teaching them, helping with the homework and everything else. I mean, don't we appreciate dads? I mean, uh, most dads are working. And as full-time, the primary provider. And it's tough around here with, with all the pressures. You know, I mean, commuting all the way down to Chicago or somewhere else. I mean, sometimes they're gone for like you know, what, 10 hours, 11 hours at a crack. And the weekends are the time when you can really engage. Yeah, work is stressful. Work is challenging. You have challenging people you work with. Uh, things always don't go the way that you anticipate. And we want to thank you, dads, for providing for your children. You're doing a, a very important thing. And I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. It might not be something you'd like to do. But you're obeying God in that area. And you're also a model, as we've talked about. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause His people to inherit the land. God promises in Scripture that if you raise your child to know and love God, that's a positive thing. Now, He doesn't promise that the kids are going to go the right direction, right? I've seen many strong Christian families where you know, two kids went that way and two kids went the wrong way. But I tell you what, it's not, they're probably going to go the wrong way, dads, if you don't take responsibility. Right? You say, what should I do? Well, you know what? You just need to show up. Just be here on Sundays. We've got kids at the kingdom. We want to help you disciple your kids in that way. Uh, we have, of course, Matt Johnson, our new youth pastor, is doing a tremendous job. He made that video. <laughs> so he's working on all kinds of different things. But he, he is just a gift from God to our church. And your kids need to be in a relationship with him if they're in junior high or senior high. But here's 
what you need to understand is that your kids spiritually are probably not going to grow above your spiritual maturity at this point. So whatever you're doing in terms of engaging in Scripture at home, in devotions during dinner, taking those teachable moments, and making these times together on Sundays a priority as well as on Thursdays for the youth group, Awana, for the younger kids. I mean, we are seeking to help you. And friends, kids know. Kids know what you're most committed to. Most committed to your job. Most committed to your hobby. Most committed to a, a personal possession. They know it. And your job, with the strength and courage of God, is to show them that God is number one in your life. Say, daughter, son, I live for God every day because I'm a child of His. And my whole purpose being here on earth is to glorify Him, to, to again, identify who He is to you and to other people. And I'm not perfect. But I'm just trying as hard as I can. And that's why Sunday mornings we're in church. We make it about the pattern of our life. We don't make it optional. We get our kids here Sunday mornings and any other time. Now, again, there's all different types of things kids can do. And they're all very good, very build skills, team skills, athletic skills, music skills. But if you have them in the wrong priority... Your kids are going to pay for it. They just are. Because, again, you're the model. And so that they see that you're not engaging God's Word and you're not talking about God and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're not going to either, probably. Unfortunately, the father has a very significant influence, even more than the mom, in that area of spirituality. So be strong and courageous in the Lord. Let's look at verse 9. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, why does God keep telling Joshua this? I mean, Joshua, he's a leader. And he, he knew that they should have gone in the promised land way before that. But again, he was scared. And I'd be scared too. Taking this small Israelite bunch relatively, into this land, they weren't trained in uh, you know, warfare or anything of that nature. I mean, they were just going to go after it. And, uh, wow, I think he was shaking in his boots. Now, when we think about courage, we don't think about shaking in your boots. But what real courage is, is when you take the step of faith, even though you're shaking in your boots, and trusting God that He will do what He's promised to do. That is courage. Right? Amen. Courage starts out with a fearful person who trusts in God when they don't see how it's all going to work out. And that's when you're living on the edge in the Christian life. When you're stepping on out, when you're living in your comfort zone, you know everything, you don't need God. Well, hey, you gotta just you gotta grow even more and start taking those steps. And for some of you dads, again, just getting to church, that, that's the thing you need to do. You don't have to be an expert. 
You don't need to be a person who uh, you know, is living a holy, blameless, righteous life, whatever that might look like uh, to you. In fact, let me just stop and talk about this, because this is really important. If you're going to be strong and courageous in the Lord, the first thing you need to do is you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? As you're looking at this and say, whoa, this is all foreign now. Once you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the pieces start to fall together. John 3.16, most beautiful verse summing up the gospel. For God so loved you, for God so loved you, that He gave His only Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect God-man who could take the penalty for our sins because there is a penalty for our sins, an eternal judgment. But Jesus Christ took on Himself that whoever believes in Him, that's, that's a step of faith, right? That's when you have to be courageous. Because you say, I'm not sure about this, but you know, I've looked at other world religions and Christianity is very unique. You don't have to work to become a Christian, Right? Every other type of religious or cult, or it's always based on performance. But our salvation is based on grace. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 states that, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. I love that video. That was the chairman of our elders, and uh, uh, he, that's, that was a great story. He was able to share with us about his dad. You know, he was self-reliant, you know, and he was going to get into heaven because he's a good moral man. And it's only when he's at the uh, doorway of death that he realizes, I'm scared. I really don't know what's going to go down here. And Al's able to move in by the Holy Spirit. And his father gave his life to Christ. That's the first step. Right? Now, again, you don't have to do anything to become a Christian in terms of works. You just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Please come into my life. Make me a child of yours. As you understand that. And then the good works are just going to naturally flow. But again, no good works will get you to heaven. First Thessalonians 2, 11 through 12. For you know how like a father with his children... We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. So again, this is a God example of what a father should do. These are his responsibilities. First of all, he is to exhort each one of you. And that's when, Dad, you set the standard. You, you lead the family in the way... Uh, the Bible says. You study the Bible, you, you get in a men's group, you come to Springbrook and you keep learning and learning. And that continues to change your home because we used to do that, but now we don't do that. We used to watch that program, but we don't watch that program anymore. It's like, hey, there's a different standard here that I'm expecting. And that's the power of a father. That's the way God designed the family, man and woman and procreation. And, but the man, when he steps up to leadership and says, hey, this is the way our family is going, and the kids say, well, what about my friend? Forget about your friend. Are you living with your friend? Are they your parents? No. <laughs> no. 
and I am leading you into adulthood. And it's a slow journey, isn't it? <laughs> you got a lot of little kids. <laughs> Talking one family here who had, uh, had six kids. <laughs> yeah, day after day after day, after that standard has been set, that's when the encouragement comes in. Again, that's the word that's used for the Holy Spirit, paraclete, also for the alongsiders we've been talking about lately. So you come alongside them and you encourage them in the midst of the battle. I reflect on uh, my kids' lives. Yeah, there's been battles in their life and temptations and all that type of thing. And we really, of course, become fearful about what's going to happen to our kids. We trust in the Lord. And then we do everything we can to train that child to know and love Jesus Christ. So first you exhort. Say, okay guys, this is a standard in the family. Then you encourage. You remind them. You, you, you have those little talks. Oh, I remember all the talks I had. <laughs> you know, sit down with the child and say, okay, here's the problem. They weren't always, you know, uh, going along with me and ready to hear. But I did it anyway. And I'll continue to do it. Because I want the best for my children. I want them to have even a better life than I have with God. I want them to grow into strong Christian men and Christian families. And I know the best thing that I can do is model it and coach them along the way encourage you, and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God. What, what does charge mean? Well, it means to be a witness, to be a charge. Okay, I am charging you to do this. It's something very important. I'm going to witness you while you do it. And also, I, I've been a, a kid, so I'm going to tell you what happened you know, back in the day and why things didn't work out in my life when I wasn't obeying God. And, oh, no, here comes a lecture. I hope you guys have a bunch of lectures. I really do. Kids hate them, but that's exactly when they need them. And they're going to have to sit there and listen to you because you are their spiritual authority. They can decide to do what they want to do, but if they don't meet the standard, you know, we always have grace with our kids, but you've got to discipline them. You've got to say, hey, that's outside of what we do. Our family is a Christian family, and we're going to have to be disciplined. That's hard work as well. To walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And, uh, of course, this verse speaks about the Word of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is the book you need to know. This is the book you need to study. This is the book you need to memorize and, and meditate on different passages, dads. Because your spiritual temperature is going to determine your children's spiritual temperature. So as you look at your engagement with God, is that what you want for your kids? Now again, you might not you know, 
I didn't go to church. Now you came this morning. It's great to have you. But again, first you realize the free, free gift of eternal life. And then a whole new world opens to you because the Holy Spirit comes into you and all of a sudden things look different. And this book becomes alive because the Holy Spirit is working through it and teaching you things, encouraging you. And we're here. We're a disciple-making family. It's such a wonderful bunch of people. I love you so much. And, uh, but we're here for you. You're single moms. We're, we're here for you to, to help you along in the journey to teach you how to do it. And dads, don't be overwhelmed saying, well, I'm not, it's out of my comfort zone. Again, ask God for courage to step into an area where you haven't stepped before. And, and your wife will support and encourage you. Because that's really what she wants. She doesn't want to be leading the kids, going to church and uh, guiding them spiritually. She wants you to step in wherever you're at. And again, at the minimum, just show up on Sundays. Show up at the kids' uh, discipling events that we have. Uh, there's nothing better. There is nothing better than to build a Christ-centered family, a Bible-centered family. And I just, I talk about it a lot because it's a burden of mine as a pastor that we continue to help you in raising children for the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for dads, and Lord, thank you that in your word, all scripture is inspired. In your word, you teach us how we can correct our children, encourage our children, train our children, so they may be complete in every good work. Lord, I just pray for dads who might feel just a little uncertain about getting involved spiritually with their kids. Lord, I pray that they would take that step of courage. In Christ's name, amen. Well, we had our VBSs.